Blog Talk Radio. Everyday people. We are everyday people is the name of this internet radio show. Uh it is Tuesday, uh May nineteenth. This is Keith Bledsoe, the host. Uh hopefully uh you can hear me okay. I have a new toy here, I have a new microphone, and uh it's very convenient. I hope that you hear me okay. Uh we will go on and uh keep it rolling as we always do. Uh, let me just say, like I always say, I don't come on here professing to know everything. Uh, I know what I know. Uh, I, I truly believe in what I say. I do have an open mind. I do listen. I can be stood to be corrected. Uh, however, you got to bring it. you got to bring it right because uh, a lot of people uh, seem to call themselves coming to correct and have no clue what they're talking about or haven't looked uh, really done their homework to really look into what it is they're trying to say. Uh, I, I do the best I can, and uh, I welcome debate. I welcome disagreement. You know, I, I, I'll stand up with uh, how I feel, and we just keep it moving. We can agree to disagree, and if you got something, bring it. You know, you may make me see a, a different way around, uh, you know, my own, you know, perceptions. 
But anyway, we'll we'll start. I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna start off light. I'm gonna start talking about the Bulls real quick because they uh I don't know what happened with with the Bulls, man. I I think that I'm hearing some rumors around that uh, Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose uh, have some type of a clash. I don't know about all that. I need to hear a whole lot more before I buy into that. But I, I do buy into uh, Coach Gibbs needing to go. Uh, great coach. I appreciate him, respected him. He'll do a good job wherever he goes. But in this case, uh, with this Bulls team, they need to try something different. They need to do what Coach Tibbs did not do, especially in that game six where they looked like crap, uh, doing the same thing the whole game, the same offense, the same defense, tried nothing different. Oh, man, he put Doug McDermott in the game. Tony Stell, each one more. Try something different, different combinations. The guy's too stubborn. And uh, I can see why they want him out of there now. And matter of fact, I want him out of there because it's it's that time. I I actually think that this started the first time Derrick Rose went down because in that game, Derrick Rose had no business in the game. None. They had the game won, and then he goes down. I think that was a real uh, starting point with the friction between Gar Foreman, John Paxson, and Coach Tibbs. Uh, when we open the lines up, uh, if you agree or disagree, go go ahead with it. You can go along with whatever I uh, open the show up with, whatever I talk about, but you can bring whatever you have. This is an open show. This is not your typical uh, mainstream radio talk show because you can come on here and say what you want to say, however you want to say it. Uh, this is a talk show, so I let the people talk, unlike a lot of folks. You know, you wait an hour to get on the show, and then as soon as you get on the show, uh, they, they're telling you you got 30 seconds. Get the hell out of there. That's why I don't call radio talk shows. I'm not going to hold on for an hour, and you're going to give me 30 seconds because you have to go to a damn commercial. And that's one reason why I decided to, instead of complaining about it, to take it up myself and open up my own show. Do my own thing the way I want to do it. And people can come in here and say what they need to say and say things that need to be said, which is what I, I honestly believe that the things that I do say, the things that I do post on Facebook, uh, whether one may agree or disagree, they need to be said. They need to be said by more people, period. We're not talking enough. It's almost like we're sitting in zombie land, and we'll get to zombie land a little bit later when we start talking about our youth. But we're not talking, man. We talk, we, the things that we are saying, you know, all we're telling people for the most part that I'm hearing is look up in the sky and, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Everything is in good hands. And, you know, at the same time, I'm seeing all this damn suffering in the world. And, you know, I keep hearing about this person is so blessed, this that person is so blessed, and uh, who's being, <clears throat> being looked out for. And like I say, at the same time, I'm reading the news, I'm I'm, I'm searching the web and I, I see with my own eyes all the suffering that's going on in this, in this world and it just makes me wonder you know are these guys discriminating are these guys just choosing certain people to bless and to, to look out for and, and be in good hands with or what's going on as far as I'm concerned until we're all whatever they call blessed or we're all fortunate then, then it ain't happening and if it is and that what you're telling me is we have a very discriminating spiritual power out there you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. It's either in or it's out. Either we have it or we don't. Either we all have it or nobody has it. 
Enough of the hypocrisy and get out this world and make believe. Okay. I uh, had put out a post earlier that got some interesting responses. And the post really was I responded to a, a Facebook friend, Diane Martin's uh, post, when she posted uh, about these uh, a six-year-old boy who was who was murdered by five other children, age 11 to 15. And that, it just stopped me in my tracks, as always. It happens all the time. But this one just stopped me once again, just looking at where we, where we are, man, you know, where we are at as a people, what's going on right in front of our faces. Uh, I had a lot of people uh, writing saying that it's the parents. It starts at home, you know, pretty much uh, saying that we're not raised, you know, People aren't raising their kids right. Uh, they're not being disciplined. They can do what they want to do. You know, all that's true. You know, all that's true. Uh, it definitely is a case. Yes, it starts at home, but it's not all at home. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, there is a system out here that is designed uh, to do exactly what it is doing to our youth and our people, and we're buying into it. And whereas you used to be able to say, it's the parent, it's at home, uh, that's where it starts at. Well, what do you say when we have the kids who are the parents? So in essence, we have two sets of kids. Parents down the drain. We got to go beyond that. We, we we can't just say it's the parents and throw your hands up and say, oh, well, it starts at home. The parents got to do something. No, we all have to do something. Because the system is at work. And the school system is part of that system. The church system is part of that system. It is a system of racism and white supremacy. That is the most powerful religion in existence. That is the religion. Everything else is a subgroup of it. In my opinion, you know, you bring on and come on with your own, but this is the way I see it. This is the truth that I see with my eyes. I don't see through the lenses of someone else. I don't look up at the uh, at, at the pew and, and 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 hear what the preacher says, and and I, I adjust my thinking to what he says, despite what I see going on right in front of my face. And that's part of our problem. You know, one one thing comes to mind: it's the Jonestown, Guyana. I'm going to constrain a little bit, but you know, you had almost a thousand people who sat there and drank that damn Kool-Aid. I ain't drinking that Kool-Aid. You see people up in front of you drinking that crap and falling out, but you believe. But anyway, but I, I, I think that uh, back to what I was talking about with our youth and our current state and what we need to do, and there is no quick fix as a matter of fact, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we'll probably, hell, it took three generations to get to where we are. It may just take two or three generations to get the hell out of this crap. Because the first thing we have to do is want to get out of it. And I'm not saying, well, that's the case. I don't see it from any politicians. I don't see it from the voters. I mean, we're able to vote now, but we don't. We're going backwards. We're worse off now than we were 50 years ago. Just because we have some individuals doing better 
as a people, we were worse off. We had something back then. We have nothing now. And our kids are suffering. The system is ahead of us. It knows exactly what it's doing. We're the ones trying to figure it out. We have these violent video games. All these elements of programming, all this poison we're putting into our kids, we're allowing our kids to be marinated in. All these poisons, violent video games, they they changed our music. We allowed it. And instead of despising it, hell, too many of us love it. Well, the old schoolers don't. We we know better. You know you know who I'm talking about. You know, us, us old schoolers and some of our mature young adults, they see through this crap. But the poisonous music, so-called music, because it's not music in my opinion, has, is dominating the airwaves. Who controls the airwaves? Yeah, they'll, they'll make some millionaires. They'll make some billionaires. They'll have a Kanye West and a, and a, and a Piss Diddy and a Lil Wayne and, and a, 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 all the rest of the, these guys. They'll, they'll, they'll make them rich as long as they keep on feeding the poison to these kids. As soon as these guys start talking about black empowerment, I'm not talking about no scratch-the-surface bullshit. I'm talking about getting into the core of the problem and exposing the system for doing what it's doing. But it's the system that is paying them to keep the dummying down of our kids as it goes. The school systems are nothing but conveyor belts to prison. And don't start that shit. I'm not talking about all school systems, okay? Don't trip. I'm getting tired of saying that, but a lot of people jump on that. And, well, it ain't it ain't all school. Damn it, I know that. Don't you think I got no sense to know that? But it's enough schools to fill the jails up, to keep that flow going, to keep the government from having to pay that fine if the jail cells aren't filled up to a certain capacity. They're passing these kids through school just to get them through. They're not trying to teach them. They ain't paying them. As far as the inner city is concerned, you, you'll get paid out in the suburbs and the upper, upper scale neighborhoods. And my understanding is that uh, these school systems are funded by the taxes of that particular neighborhood, which to me, that's bullshit. Hell, if that's the case, then every neighborhood that's being uh, victimized and the people in that neighborhood being uh, taken apart financially by these damn speed cameras and red light cameras, the finances that come from those profits to take care of that damn neighborhood. If that's the case, no, that shit should be split up and divvied up evenly and funded. But who's talking about it? You have politicians who just want to get reelected. I don't know about the rest of the states and what's going on there, but <laughs> these politicians, these aldermen in Chicago ain't worth a goddamn. You may have one or two who come across and as though uh, you know they're trying to do the right thing. Some may want to do the right thing, but what they want to do more than anything is get reelected. Some good money being an alderman. Some good props. Not too much work to do either. Evidently, because they ain't doing too much work. Callers, I see you there. Hold on. I'll get right with you. Anybody else want to try to chime in? It's uh, number 718-664-9513. 718-664-9513.
718-664-9513. But yeah, we, you know, when you, when you come in, if you want to uh, add on to the situation with our youth and wh- what you think that we can do, I have uh, ideas. I, I won't say them right now. I'll wait and see if anybody else wants to uh, come in. And, and if they happen to say the same thing I'm talking about, then I'll just chime in with it. And uh, what else is going on? A lot of stuff going on. Man, I had a show planned last week, the bomb, but it kind of got a little outdated, so I, I kind of deleted some of what I was going to talk about. Uh, but I do want to say one thing about uh, Marilyn Mobley in and, and Baltimore. I hope she enjoyed the hell out that Prince concert. Yeah, she went to the Prince concert, and I hope she had a damn good time and had fun. I hope she lived it up. The hell with all these stupid-ass naysayers and contradicting hypocrites talking that bullshit. I'm sick of them. So I wanted to throw that in from last week to Marilyn Mobley. I hope she just sticks with it. Whether she wins or lose, go for it. This is something that it takes takes a strong black woman to do this, and I'm I'm proud of the young lady. So in Texas, man, I'm you know I'm my hometown of Waco, Texas. I've done a lot of work in Waco, Texas. I haven't you know I've only kind of been going back home for on the weekends, but. Uh, you know, when you when you work in these places and you, you, you know the areas in which these places, you know exactly where they're talking about that this action took place with this Texas black shootout, man, that's deep. I mean, it's deep anyway. But when you can picture it like I've been able to picture it, uh, it's really something else. Uh, but I tell you what, nine people killed, 200-something arrested, shooting out with the police and everything. They all live to tell it. You thought them guys were getting ready to go on a picnic. I'll go pick some collard greens out in the field, some vegetables and fruit, and blanch them and bag them up and put them in the freezer for another day. You're talking about a calm atmosphere. And and I, and I see the people, you know, saying, well, if they were black, well, we all know what would happen if they were black. We know that. What we better know, in addition to that, is that it's not going to change. It ain't going to change. It ain't going nowhere. Racism, the white supremacy, ain't budging. It ain't going nowhere. The only thing that we're going to be able to change is us. Their mentality will not change. Period. Ours needs to change more than anything. We need to get something of our own. All the black folks... For example, in Chicago, and I single out Chicago because that's my hometown. That's where I'm from. That's where I love. And I'll use that as an example. You know, you can uh, cross-reference that to wherever your hometown is, and it's not going to be too much different. But uh, a lot of people like to get their drink on. But how many black folks own a liquor store? When you walk in a liquor store, what do you see? When you walk in the donut shop, what do you see? You mean to tell me we can't bake? You walk into a hotel, what do you see? Indians? Nothing against Indians. I'm not talking about Indians. I'm really talking about us. You go to the gas station. Once upon a time, we had gas stations. What do we have now? Is there a black gas station in Chicago? Anywhere in the country? Somebody know? Let me know. Do we have a hotel? All these conventions, fraternities, organizations, churches, have these conventions and meetings? And you mean to tell me that There's no unity enough to get a national hotel where we can have a place to stage our own. And then once you build one, get that one rolling, then build another one. 
get get each coast covered. New York, L.A., Chicago, Florida, or whatever, Vegas, resort. You go to the Essence Fest every year. Black artists galore. Black people galore. Why don't we have a convention center where we can stage that thing ourselves? We know the answer, but I tell you one thing. Until we can do things like that, we ain't going nowhere. We're going to sit around and wait for legislation, wait for politicians to do something for us. Got a black president, still can't get nothing done. Well, what are he going to do? He's part of the system. I'm sure he'd like to do some things, but he know damn well he can't. And I actually wonder how you think President Obama is doing. I wonder if we have been set up for the okie doke. I wonder if having this black president, President Obama, might end up in the long run be one of the worst damn things that ever happened to us. Think about it. Think about it. We can talk about it. I'll be a little more specific as we go into it. Uh, I'll say this one thing. Uh, we, we're going to pay a price for being so defensive of him. No matter what he does, people don't want to say anything. You talk about the president, people bitching you out. Nobody's complaining. So I tell you what, when he's out of there and Mr. White Man gets in there, white man going to say, dude, you didn't say shit when President Obama was in there. Don't say shit now. And what we going to do besides shut hell up. Because Mr. White Man will have had a very valid point. He won't apply, he won't he won't appoint a, a, a black Supreme Court, black woman Supreme Court. Well, next one don't do it. Don't say nothing. This is what I'm talking about. You want some blacks in the cabinet, visible positions? You had a black president, he didn't do it. What you telling me for? You should have said something then. You had a black president. I think it's a valid point. It's all a part of the game. So I just wonder if we're going to end up paying a price for having this great man, who I think is a great brother, but he just can't do what he wants to do. I mean, who could? I think he did a lot more than anybody else could. I think just staying alive and not having a damn stroke. So as soon as you walk in office, the first thing that they're saying is that we want him to fail, and they're going to do everything to uh, to curb anything that you try to do. Who could succeed under that? So under the circumstances, I think he's meant well. I think that uh, when he first started, I referenced him to him as being somewhat of a lap dog. Uh, I thought he should have been a little more tougher, more stern. For example, when that voice said you lie in that State of the Union speech, he should have stopped the speech and said, security, get that man out of here. Period. So I'm, I'm very disappointed in what, to me, uh, he's cool, calm, and collective. But I have to add, he has appeared to be very weak at times to, to the very disappointment of me. But that's just me. That's my opinion. You, 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 can, you can share yours. Uh, one more thing before I might take me a little break and we'll get the callers on. Uh, man, I tell you. You know, we were just talking about the president and him being, uh, uh, them putting a, a firewall 
in front of him so he, you know, can't do anything. These Republicans, man, and these black conservatives, these Sambo farm-raised house Negroes, no other race of people have an element among them like we have these farm-raised Sambo house Negroes. They even look doofus. Do you feel me? I mean... When you hear them talk and they have nothing positive to say about black people, I'm not saying that you have to have everything positive to say about black people, but everything they say is anti-black, and it just points to such an embedded self-hate. But all you can do is sit there and look at these guys talk the bullshit. They go on Fox Station, Fox uh, News, spewing that same ignorance. It's ignorant. It's ignorant. It's ignorant. I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Fox News, CNN ain't much better because they're just a, uh, a front. They try to make it appear to be neutral and fair, but they're not. MSNBC is probably better than all of them, but the first thing that people will try to tell you, especially the right-wing Tea Party Republicans and House Negroes, is that M- MSNBC is just as bad as Fox. That's bullshit. Bullshit. MSNBC uh, far out truths and and has much more integrity than all the rest of them, as far as I'm concerned, as far as what I see. They bring facts. They don't instigate, try to start shit. They don't just blatantly outright lie. At least that's what I see. You see something different, then you tell me what you see. You know, kind of take it from there. So, uh, Let's check out my little my notes here, my little Ray Rayner notes. We talked about that before. I got a little note spread out all over here. I don't have them penned on me, but they're sitting on the desk here. Uh, so I, I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we can talk about whatever you want. Uh, we can talk about the desensitization of the youth. Uh, I even see that you know we have some young youth leaders that want to kind of stand out. I can't recall the names, but I wish they'd start with the youth and, and it's something as simple as talking about pull up your goddamn pants. You, know, you can't just jump on the podium and, and just push, you know, Al Shopkin and some of the other guys who are, whether you like them or not, damn it, they are trying to do something and they're good at what they do. The Al Shopkins and Jesse Jackson and so forth. So, you know, you can take that. But you just can't push them aside because you want to get up there and say something. I mean, you, you, you can you can say what you want, but uh, to me, it would be a, a little fitting if you might want to start your uh, your little youth movement with dealing with the youth and saying, hey, we could, we got to do better than this. We have future leaders. Pull up your damn pants and uh, curb the uh, insane, uh, violent, disrespectful lyrics of your so-called music. We're going to take a break. We come back. I see you out there, Brother Carl. I see you out there, Brother Jim. Y'all hold on. We're going to get this in, and I'll be right back. Thank you. 
Hey, Chicago, for your next family reunion, call Jimmy Williams of Abstract T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunion expert since 1990, with photo T-Shirts and custom printing available. You can see samples of his work on the Internet. Search for JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. That's JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. One word. For families wanting reasonable prices, quality service, and good advice at making their family reunion a success, call Jimmy Williams from Abstracts T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunions should always be a happy occasion, and your T-Shirts should reflect that. Call Jimmy Williams at 773-690-5366. Your T-shirt man.
what I'm talking about. Got to get our music back. When we had our music, we 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 played love. We felt the love, man. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, as your music goes, so are you. That's what we sang about, and that's what we were about. Today, what they're singing about, that's what they are about. And that's a sad-ass day. That's why I say on this show and with Brother Jimmy Williams' show, uh, Real People from the Hood, on Mondays, that we're going to do nothing else. We may can't change the mainstream, we can't change the world, but on our shows, we're bringing our music back. Period. We are going to bring on... Uh, yeah, both brothers who are going to... We're going to just, just bring them both on. We'll, we'll get into a little roundtable, how we're going to do it. We're going to uh, welcome in... Uh, Brother Carl Sanderson. Brother Carl, are you with me? Yes. Can you hear me? I can yes, hear you. I'm can here. you hear me okay? Yes, I hear you right. very well. That Beautiful. New this mic is working pretty good. Then. Yeah, that new Beautiful. microphone Beautiful. is awesome, man. Okay, that's what I want to hear. It should be. Yeah, Bro- man. Brother- oh, hold man. on, brother. It's always a hold, hold on one second. Can you hear me? Yeah, hold on one second. I'm going to bring uh, welcome in Brother Jimmy Williams, who's with us also. Brother Jim, are you with me? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me, Brother Jim? I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, beautiful. Okay, Brother Carl, go ahead with what you were talking about, brother. Okay. Oh, man, it's always a pleasure to come on here and discuss, man. And um, I found out 48 years ago in 1967, when I was 10 years old, old, I found out about facts through my parents. You know, you can't come in their house lying and stuff. And so I always pride myself on having facts and 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 telling the truth. And that's and I like that in you, uh Keith. I've been knowing you man for forty years and um I didn't know to the past year or so that you were so informative about so much, man. And, man, you got so much in common, man. I guess it's a 1957 thing and a 1975 <laughs> thing. <laughs> you know, we both was born in 1957. We went to high school together, came out in 75. And I guess it's a that old school thing, man. I'm, I'm really missing our music, man, because, hey, man, even with James Brown, James Brown, The Dramatics, The Temptation, Garland Green, that music was the music, man. This garbage that you hear out here now is sickening, man. I don't I don't even, you know, it's it's really sickening. We lost our music, man. And like you said, um as our music go, we go. And that's and that's that's a good statement. Well, here what I want to um uh, let me get the Chicago Bulls out the way. Well, with the Chicago Bulls, I was we was talking about the Chicago Bulls maybe a few months ago when Tipido I always knew that Tip he had to go. The reason why Tipido has to go is because first of all, he's not seeing eye to eye with Gar Foreman. Gar Foreman and um and and John Paxton. They having a riff. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to do they wanted to bring in a, a, a offensive uh, guy, a offensive brilliant guy, and Thibodeau told him, "No, I'm the head coach. I'm not going to have that. I'm a coach of defense, and I'm going to bring my own offensive scheme in." 
And so that's what the problem is right there with the Bulls. And so he's been – they've really been failing offensively because he's a defensive-minded coach. He did good with Boston with Doc Rivers when they won the championship, but he wasn't he, – he always concentrated on defense. That's his specialty. And he told um, – they gave him a five-year contract, and it's, and it's up now. And he's, and they've been having some riffs. They don't even talk, you know. So Tibbs got to go. He's, he's got to go because here you is. You, you went and got Gasol. You you got the uh, Maritek. You know, they have a good team, man. And yeah. they had – I think they lost their zest when they went – they had an opportunity to go up 3-1 to one in the third quarter. When they just and LeBron James just came back and they just came back and lost that they lost the whole heart they stopped playing. The last game yeah. was Sam. They they stopped playing. So yeah, I see some changes in the Bulls. And yes, Derrick Rose. Yes, I see some some conflict between Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. I see a little jealousy from Derrick Rose, but de- that's why Derrick Rose is so determined to come back full throttle. But Derrick Rose in that last game. He, by him being uh, the seasoned veteran over Jimmy Jimmy Butler, he should have just took the ball and did what he normally do. He should have attacked the basket, and Jimmy Butler was going to follow him. They would have did fine. They surprised LeBron James because LeBron James was LeBron James was worried. He was he was worried to death at first when the Bulls went up two to one and almost went up three to one. LeBron James, yeah. they was Cleveland was worried. So with that, man, you know, you know, but maybe now I want to touch on, you had mentioned, didn't you, don't you know in Illinois there's only one black distributor? And and, th- and those are the Rand's brothers. They had, they used to yep. own a conglomerate of liquor stores on 50, they had one store on 55th and State. I knew their father. Their father took a, he took a loss for the Jews in the 60s. And so what happened was they ended up, the Jew boy ended up moving out of Skokie somewhere. He was older. He turned, he let, well, he let Rans, Rans bought everything real dirt cheap, and he was able to be, he was able to get licensed as a distributor. The only black liquor distributor in the state of Illinois was, is owned by the Rans. And the Rans, they have a, they have a distributor full of whiskey and whatever on 85th, in Lafayette, on the south side of Chicago, that's the only black distributor in the state of Illinois is the Rams, brother. Okay, hold on, hold like on. Brother Carl, hold on one second. I want to make sure we – Okay. Carl, hold on one second. We're going to come back to that, but I want to make sure we get Brother Jimmy in there. Brother Jim, what's going on, man? You can chime in wherever you want to. You can bring your own dish, however you want to go, man. What's going on? How you doing? Now, I'm listening to that, brother, man. This is different. You know, I'm not a sports fan, so I really can't chime in on that one. But the business thing here in Chicago, they just opened up a. Um, um, speaking of ownership of businesses, they just opened up an Inglewood um, business center here today. They dedicated the day with Ron Emanuel and some people from Inglewood, which is good. You know, they're going to teach the brothers and sisters how to um, do um, 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 resumes, um, get ready to do how to pitch their businesses. Um, how to get on Google and, and be found, how to it – basically, it's basically for startups and some entrepreneurs. I think I'm a little bit more advanced than to go into that because I know 
what it boils down to, and nobody's ever going to say it, it's going to boil down to your credit, and it's going to boil down to your collateral. So I don't want to go through all that headache again. I've done it many, many times after and before 1990 when I opened up my business. And most of that stuff was a real big disappointment once you get into it. You know, they want you to jump through so many hoops to get ready. I guess it's okay if that's what you want to do and learn from. But me personally, when it comes to a business and when it comes to um, running a business, if you've got the hard desire to do it, it's just a matter of finding somebody in the same field and have them to be your protege. So all this other stuff, you know, I, you get what you get from it. You get what you can from it. But personally, I, I would suggest anybody that wants to start up a business, you got to be passionate about it first. Then you find somebody in, in, in your same field, and, and you, 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 you tie a knot around their leg, and you follow them everywhere you will need to go. Because the questions are going to come, they're going to be answered a little bit faster and a little bit more meaningful than just going to a bunch of classes and a bunch of people that only want to come in your neighborhood in the first place and tell you this and that. And they're not going to even tell you the bottom line. You're going to have to have decent credit and some collateral. Why do you never start off? With, if they start off with that first, I think a lot of people will say, okay, fine. You know, none of that is happening with me right now, so let me try something else. But people got to think when they jump into business. It's not that hard. You know, it, I'm, I'm not saying it was easy for me, but I asked questions before I even did day one. And I learned how to do all that stuff from somebody that was already in business 10, 15 years before I jumped in it. So the best way to do that, you know, if you want to go to all these seminars and these startup, you know, incubators and stuff like that, that's fine. But a lot of stuff is political. It's grandstanding. Um, they got to show where the tax money is going, have proof that it's there, you know, for publicity, you know, for the next campaign and stuff like that. If, if you if you go in with your third eye open, you'll see that most of it is just uh, lights and, and shiny objects. That's just my opinion on that one when you're talking about the business end of it and people owning things. So, let, let, me, let me ask you this, brother Jim, and then we'll we'll, we'll jump over to Kyle and get get brother Kyle's opinion. But I, I was when I, you know start, starting off the little uh, I guess you call it a lecture. I don't like to say lecture because I don't think I'm teaching that. I'm just talk just saying how I feel and it, you know I guess but what it is what it is. I was talking about President Obama and how me personally I have to start. I started to wonder. You know what? Have we been duped? Have we been set up here? With this black president, do you have an opinion on? Because I just um, think that we 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 we're gonna have a real problem after after he's out of office, and I, I in the long run I think we're gonna pay the price for having this black president. What what do you think on that? And we'll we'll go to Carl after you're done. Personally, I think it was one of the best things that ever happened to black people. Personally, it's just my opinion because you know yep. those issues that the issues that that has been. Uh, that hasn't surfaced, a surface now as far as racism, um, uh, economics in the black community, um, getting together with your peers and trying to um, uh, help each other to understand the pitfalls of, of trying to become a young adult. Uh, racism is, is out in the open. You know, now after six, maybe seven years, um, everybody's starting to understand what the right has been trying to school them on. It's a bunch of bullshit. You know, white folks are not going to admit that uh, they've been duped. They've been they've been on top for so long, why would they even take a step back? Yeah, they're they constantly going forward. A lot of progressive blacks are going forward, and a lot of those progressive blacks are turning into conservatives because they feel like if they did it, anybody can do it. 
Yeah, but you forgot there was a bunch of people died to get to where you're at, talking about black conservatives. And a lot of them just want to forget about that part of it. A lot of them just want to keep moving. They're moving so, they moving so fast and forward, they, they forgot their blackness. Their blackness on the side of the road somewhere. You know, and a lot of them don't even want to admit that. A lot of them want to get past the um, the slavery, the, the the black migration to the north because of what was happening in the south. They want to get past the lynching. They want to get past the civil rights movement. They want to get past the black power movement. They want to get past Reagan. They want to get past, I mean, Clinton. They want to get past Reagan, Clinton, because Clinton did a lot of dumb ass shit while he was in office too, but it made a point, and it was a short-term, shitty, it was a shitty short-term, but it was an okay long-term in a way. And a lot of conservative blacks want to get past that stuff. They want to start from yesterday to now, or when they got their little uh, graffiti and hung it on their wall, they want to start from that point on. They want to start from the point where they were able to uh, pull themselves up by the bootstrap, and now they literally just thinking about everybody else. No, you had an opportunity, you took it, and you did what you had to do. There's nothing wrong with that. I commend you on that. But don't fuck around and act like you don't know what the struggle was about and who helped you get to where you're at, like these Clarence Thomas motherfuckers, you know. He get to a point where he can make a change. At least Obama is trying. Clarence Thomas bit it off his whatever. Half the black public don't even know who the hell he is. He's a Supreme Court justice. The man got on the bench and shut the fuck up. Ain't open his mouth about yep. no black issues. None. Think about it. None. Now you got these Bill Cosby, uh, Bill Cosby-like um, uh, Raven Shimon and Tracy Dash, and these motherfuckers, they want to just keep moving forward. You have to bring your black what you wanted, you wanted or not. It's going to be there. You can sit there and go around your little, your, your little Anglo friends and pretend like, Ain't nothing happening because you making six figures, they making six figures, y'all in the same boat. And then when the, when the, when the conversation comes to her people, Sarah Dash, Stacey Dash, when it comes to her people, they gonna shut the hell up and let her run with it. I never understood it. That's just my. I I, I I hear, bro, Jim, I hear you. I I I, I got it. And brother Carl, hold on, we are gonna get you right in here, man. I just want to say this one thing because I gotta jump in and kind of defense. And we've had this conversation before, Brother Jim, but for Bill Cosby, I, I believe that Bill Cosby, even though people have an issue with the audience that he said what he said, I mean, I, I don't, I think he, he, what he didn't say, he didn't tell a lie. That's for damn sure. He didn't tell a lie. Now, maybe he could have picked a different audience, but I mean, he said it when he said it, and I happen to agree with what he said, as far as these folks they ain't, they can't talk and I ain't trying to talk and ain't pulling their pants up and ain't this and that. And, uh, I, I just, this, this is one we just respectfully disagree on. I just believe the brother was on point the same way president Obama was on point when he, he made his statements about black folks being more responsible, but black folks can't take the truth again. and wanted to say, but why are he telling us this? Why don't he tell them that? Well, because he's into you, he's telling you this for your own good. What is he telling you that's to the detriment of yourself? But that's just me, anyway. And, and you want to respond uh, on that? Before we go back Jimmy, Carl, before we go... one, one other thing, one other thing, Carl. Uh, uh, um, Keith. Bill yeah. Cosby didn't start talking that bullshit until after he made $900 million. He wasn't saying <laughs> that shit in the 60s. He brought some situations up about racism in the 60s, but he didn't dwell on it like he did after he made his $900 million. You don't sit there and let people support you all these years 
and then you get up on stage and you make a joke out of it. It's an act now. Now you get paid again, and you got white folks listening in on this shit because they ain't going to come and ask the average person. They're going to wait till they get somebody like Bill Cosby or Stacey Dash or now Martin Luther King's daughter to be their front piece, uh, be their mouthpiece. Don't get me. Oh, man, don't get me started on that, lady. Please don't. But, but Carl, go ahead and chime in, man. Jump in, <laughs> jump in wherever you okay. want to jump in, man. Well, well, here's well, here's the thing with uh, President Obama. President Obama, he's tired, man. His he's got all this gray hair, and he's sick of those conservatives, whether they black or or white. He's sick of them, and that and what he's doing now, he's gonna have he's having fun. Him and Michelle is having fun, and he's saying fuck it. White folks talked about Obamacare, but now. You got more white folks registered for Obamacare and utilizing Obamacare to the utmost. They wouldn't give up Obamacare to save their lives right now. Obama, <laughs> and he has appeared uh, very weak at times and just pissed me off, pissed me the fuck off many times. But I understand that when you sit on that, on that throne in Washington, you're going to have all these redneck conservatives that's been running this damn thing for the last 300 years. So the man was under a lot of pressure. And so, I, you know, I sort of feel where he's coming from because I've, I've been there on a lower level, but I've been there where I was the only black man and I had to stand up these assholes. And they just gave me, they gave me a few thousand dollars and to, to tell me, here, be quiet. You know, we know you right. That's what the city of Chicago. I won a lawsuit. They gave me forty thousand. And okay, here, take this forty thousand. Carl, would you please shut up? So I know, you know, I didn't sell out. I took the money, yes. But then I got. I've been promoted a couple of times. And it's cool. I I love my job because I'm I'm. It worked for me. It worked for me. It just like it worked for Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby, yes, he back in the sense when he was doing I Spy and he was building up a resume. Yes, he didn't he didn't come out against and wanted to say what he wanted to say. Of course, he can say what he wanted to say now because he's worth all this money. Bill Cosby's a billionaire. Is it Bill Cosby's fault because he he bedded so many women and, and he took the pussy and now? You know, all this hoopla bottle. Bill Cosby got his pussy, yes. Maybe the manner that he got it, maybe he shouldn't have drugged so many of them. But, hell, but where's this, uh, the DNA and all the uh, rape uh, capsules and whatnot that the females have? You know, you got you got Gloria Allred trying to shake him down and said, okay, Bill, take some of your money, give me about $100 million, and I'm going to make this bullshit go away. Bill Cosby said, fuck you, bitch. You ain't finna shake me down and take a dime. I don't blame Bill for that. And some mm-hmm. of the things, I don't blame Bill for a lot of the, some of the things that he do. But I, well, one thing I do like about Bill Cosby, he put a lot of people in color, he put them to work. He put a lot of, look at all the people he put to work. Even that little funky-ass bitch, Raven Simone, I can't stand her dumb ass. She need to go back to school and learn something. She need to come back in the hood and learn something. There's a lot of, uh, to me, black conservatives, they got theirs. So fuck you. That's that's what a black conservative is. Clarence Thomas is the top of the list. He's the worst motherfucker in the world. Bush put him in office because Bush knew that he was putting the black Sambo Uncle Tom motherfucker on that seat. 
and that's exactly how he's been behaving himself. Glass Thomas, and he traveled with that raggedy ass uh, RV with his ugly ass white wife around the around United States. They go there every summer and travel to uh, United States. Clarence Thomas ought to be kicked in the ass. Anita Hill told the truth about his dumb ass 20 some years yes. ago. Yes, uh, he did. Years ago. Hey, man, so I know, I know we might not agree on certain things about different people, but we got some assholes out there. I want, I want this, I want the Arabs and the Indians out of my damn community. The Pakistanis with the donut shops and shit, and the Arabs with the with the gas stations. If we stop buying from them assholes, they would leave. We need to set up shop and become economically independent for our own selves. That's what we need to do. Farrakhan had been preaching that. You might not believe in everything Farrakhan say because the white man has, has all has told you that Farrakhan is the worst motherfucker in the world, and a lot of blacks believe that. And so, yep. you know, we, we need to work on becoming that program in Inglewood sounds like a good startup. And to get the brothers and sisters at a point where, yes, because they need to start somewhere. But the goal would be for us as a people to become economically independent for ourselves so we can start worrying about what the fuck the white man's going to do for us. And that's, and that's one of the things that uh, Maurice had touched on two weeks ago. And, and, I, and I didn't get a chance to respond to it. But becoming economically independent for ourselves, man, and, and, and putting our putting our resources together, man, and stop, you know, worrying about if he's going to uh, make more money than me or if I'm going to make more money. We got, we need to stop that nonsense, man. And that's where I'm at, man, you know. And we need to raise taxes on these rich-ass motherfuckers so we can fund our school systems and other things. Raise the taxes on the ass. That's what the governor did in Minnesota. He raised the taxes on the, on the rich and the wealthy, Man, and he uh he boosted the wage uh payment. He boosted that up, man. And they they're like number of, they probably the top five in the in the nation, Minnesota right now, as far as their educational system. That's a great state for a person to live in. It might not be a big time party state because a lot of us we always think of well ain't nothing happening in Minnesota, ain't nothing happening in Arizona. But you know what, man? Hey, it is what it is. I want these assholes out of my neighborhood, man, because that's I, I especially, agree. you know, and that's where I'm at, man. I agree Go to, ahead, my brother. I, I, I agree that Minnesota. I, I lived in Minnesota yeah. for a minute, man, and I agree that Minnesota is a great, great state. Brother Jim, go ahead, man, and jump in. Uh, whatever you whatever you want to bring, and then I'll come back, and uh, I'll probably uh, come up with another subject. But you go ahead and uh, make, make whatever response you want to make, man. No, I love what Carl's saying, man. That's I'm, I'm listening now, man. Take it, take it. I'm listening. I love it. I, I, I love hear it. you. Not... I hear you. I, <laughs> I, I love what both I love of you. It. I love what both of you were saying. I, I'm, I'm gonna have. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of take a little sidestep and have a conversation. I actually been wanting to have it for a while, but I just never found the opening to have it. And uh, it's, it's not sociological uh, about society, but it, it, it's, it's really about, especially since the fight. It's about Muhammad Ali, man. Uh, and the question I have that I've been wanting to have is because I have a very kind of unique little concept in my own opinion, but I'll let you guys talk and then I'll come on with mine. But uh, my thing is, do you think that Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time? 
what do you think of Muhammad Ali? Uh, while he's still with us, I want to have this conversation. Uh, would you, either one of you jump in? Brother Jim, you want to start off? Um, Muhammad Ali, to me, um, I think when he called himself trying to convert to be a Muslim, man, he didn't do his homework. I'm going to be honest with you. He, I think he did mostly out of frustration or it was just something new at the time for him. But he didn't do his homework. You know, he was just a mouthpiece for the Nation of Islam at the time. And he had a big uh, following. The TV was just, I mean, back in the 60s, you know, a lot of black folks didn't have TV. I mean, TV didn't really get popular amongst black folks, man, until like the mid to late 60s. That's when a lot of black folks were able to afford a decent television set. But in the early 60s, man, the late 50s, early 60s, a lot of black folks didn't have it. So that platform gave uh, the Nation of Islam a chance to reach a bigger audience with a new member who just happened to be real famous. As far as his boxing skills, can't take that away from him. You know, um, he did his thing in the ring. Um, uh, as, as, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I really can't say he's the greatest boxer of all time, but he was damn good at what he was doing. And I'm going to be honest with you. I really think it's, it's, it's the style that he had that made him great. But you can't take nothing away from Mayweather. Um, you can't take nothing away from um, um, what's that? Uh, the one that hit the one with the short arms, um, uh, Tyson, Mike Tyson. You know, I looked at those three guys. Oh. You know, I looked their styles and, and saw what was different from it. Mike Tyson, he just didn't want to be bothered with you, so he'll he'll bash a couple of ribs, up a couple, you out of there. Because most of his fights only last like less than a minute. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, man, he he just Oh man, he was like laser like like with his his punches, man. He didn't get in there and start, you know, acting like a little clown in the ring or whatnot. He took care of his business and went home. Ali he just went back and forth with his, you know, he he, he bragged, talked, clowned the whole nine yards, but he took care of his business on the uh, on the boxing end of it, man, you know. So that's just three different styles, three different um ways of taking care of their business in the ring. That's just my opinion. What you think, brother Kyle? Hey, man, I love Ali. You know, Ali, during the time for the uh, Nation of Islam, he needed something to grasp on to, and, he w- and that's what he did. He grasped on to them because they was the, um, one of the groups that was real prevalent in the, uh, in, the, in the neighborhood. They was in New York and New Jersey. They was in Chicago. And by Ali being from Kentucky, he's a young kid. And he came, and he and he fell into that, and so it wasn't a it wasn't a dreaded thing because see, Jabbar did it too. Jabbar fell into it too, and so like uh, he opened the doors for them, and they and they treated him like shit because they here's what they tried to do: they tried to control what he can say and what he can't say, and that's when he got pissed off about him because and when you tell a man that look. We don't, uh, Elijah Muhammad don't want you saying certain things. That pisses you off. And that's what they did to Malcolm. Malcolm was like, fuck that. When Malcolm went to Mecca yep. and he saw Muslims of different colors and different shades and how they was uh, 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 conglomerating and how they got together and was networking and stuff, he said, what the, f-? he said, this is, this gutter bullshit that I'm learning here in the States ain't nothing near the uh the fashion of Muslims that I'm learning here in Mecca, and so mm-hmm. that's why he was on another. 
divide to do something real great, Malcolm was, and Ali as well, because Ali saw, they saw the handwriting on the wall that, hey, man, because here's a man that you want me to look up to you, and you trying to bone every good-looking female Muslim in the set? Come on now. So, hey, so now I'm looking at you crazy, too. You, you understand? But Muhammad Ali, to me, he the greatest. He the greatest. He's a trendsetter. He set up everything. He set the money thing up for those new bosses like Mayweather and, and Joe Lewis. He set the trend. He had the mouth. The man loved to talk and speak, and it's too bad that the disease that he has now, he can't even speak. But he was he's the greatest ever to me. You know? Can y'all still with me? Hello? Okay, gentlemen, are you there? No, I yeah, I was you. I was looking at my phone. <laughs> can you yeah, yeah, can you I, hear me? Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I don't know if it could get me as good as it could before. But let me tell you, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali is the greatest. And, yes, Floyd Mayweather, he learned from the greatest. He saw the man films. He learned Mayweather can protect himself. I love how he protects himself. Mayweather wasn't going to go toe-to-toe with Pacquiao. That's not his style. He took that $100 million, He wasn't, and he beat the guy. You got to knock Mayweather out. And I, I like Mayweather for that. I, you know why I like Mayweather? I like Mayweather because, are you guys still with me? Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. We're with you. Okay. I like I like Mayweather because Mayweather, he he's supposed to be a dumbass, but he, the guy can't be that damn dumb. He got rid of Bob Aaron. Bob Aaron used to be his manager, used to control him. But Bob Aaron was only interested in Oscar De La Hoya. He was interested in him. And when um, – when Mayweather went like 10 and no, he's like, when this contract was up with Bob Aaron, he told Bob Aaron, look, I'm going to do my own thing because you're not inter- interested in me. And Mayweather took it from there. And Mayweather, you know, he built this thing up. I got to give it to the guy from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's, he, was, he wasn't the smartest, thing, smartest guy. I don't like him for beating up on women because that's not my thing. He's an ass for that. He needs a father like, he needs a father that's going to put his foot in his ass. Look, you don't beat on women. That's what you don't do. But now that the kid is worth all this money, you can't tell him shit. You know, but I hate, and I hate to see 50 cents in the media uh, or on the Facebook beating up on, um, on Mayweather, you know, talking about how dumb he is and stuff. Look, 50 cents need to grow up. We don't need that kind of negativity among each other. That's another thing that we have to stop. We have to stop that bullshit as well, you know. You know, there's me, a lot of people, me, a lot of people, they see when you got uh, the Beyonce, Jay-Z, Will Smith. We got a few blacks. We got blacks with money, Oprah, Michael Jordan. All that is fine. But my thing is they need to pool their resources so we can become, you pool your resources and you start developing and conquering shit, just like the Jews. That's what the Jews do. The Jews, they own radio stations. They own they own the media outlets and shit. They control the shit. They own the malls. They own the baseball teams. They own the stadiums. That's the shit that we need to start trying to control, and we need to stop Let me, ju- let me jump in. 
Let me jump in. Let me jump in. Because I want to. I want to. I want to get. I want to get. I hear what you. I hear what you're saying. And, and you. You're right. You're on point with that. I'm going to jump back to Ali for a minute because. Uh, okay. I, I I thought that uh, he was the greatest self promoter in the history of boxing. Uh, I thought that uh, at the time when he, when he was coming up when I was young, I was entertained mm-hmm. by it. It was funny. I, I bought into right. the entertainment part, but, but as I got older, I really got to saying, man, he was a class. He was really classless as far as boxing was concerned. And and where he had me against Joe Frazier, as I got older, I started saying, I started appreciating Joe Frazier more. Okay. And guys like Sugar Ray Robinson. Now I thought he was a. I thought Ali was a good fighter, but as far as being the greatest of all time, I always thought I think that is absolute bullshit. Okay. I, I think he sold that to us. I think he sold his being the greatest of all time. His embracing of the nation of Islam, Brother Jim, when you said he didn't do his homework, I think that's true. I think he embraced them because he feared going to Vietnam, and he needed them. Exactly. He needed yeah, them, Michael, and they Michael, needed Michael him. Jackson and they, the and Michael Jackson did the same thing when his ass got in trouble. I, that don't, I don't understand that, 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 that. Okay, I do understand it, but damn. Go ahead. <laughs> No, no, see, see, they, I, I always believe, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. You know why he was the greatest? Because he was 6'3", he was good looking, and he can talk that shit, and that's what, the, and that's what America wanted to see. But, but, as a, but if you look at him now, look at his boxing style, he was great. He did the rope dope. He knew how, he was smart enough, and he knew how to win those big fights. Just like when he fought Foreman. He didn't. He didn't fight Foreman toe to toe because he knew that Foreman would have knocked his ass out. So that's what yeah. you know. He he fought Foreman, got him tired and stuff. And about time he got him tired in the later rounds, he was able to knock him out. But he fought smart, and that's what Mayweather got it from. And Ali, he was the first one to bring on. That's why he's considered one of the greatest. And that's why he considered the greatest because he was able to maneuver in the ring. And talk that shit. But also, you have to put this into play too. He was one of the greatest on how much money that they was gonna get. You know, he's a trendsetter now. You got to put all that into it too. But you like, you know, oh, I, oh yeah, we definitely disagree. Definitely. He, he set the standards for the money. He set the standards. He he looked good for America. You know, especially for us. You know, and he was, and he and he told yeah. him, kiss my ass about that war. I'm not going to go to war and fight no people that don't bother me. You know, I'm not going. I'm going to go there and fight those North Vietnamese. for well, the North Vietnamese. He, he, did, he did. He did great. He did great things out of the ring. I agree. I think and his stance against yeah. Vietnam was probably the greatest. Some of his speeches pertaining to that, why he wasn't going to go there, was some of the greatest things that he's ever done. But as far as and I agree, he was the greatest as far as what he stood for outside the ring and how he and how he brought it, uh, how he uh, delivered it. But in the ring, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I'm going to take another break. When we come back, I'm I'm going to start, I'm going to try something here. I'm going to start a new segment. Just a little something-something. When we come back, what do you you wish for? What would you like to see? I I ain't talking about you want to fucking roll the words and shit. We all want that. I'm talking about sociological as far as... uh, what 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 do you wish for? What 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 would you like to see happening? What see going on? And we'll just do this go around and do that when we come back, and uh, we'll just take another quick break, and we'll be right back. Y'all, hang on with me. Okay.
go. Like I say, we got to get our music back. And uh, we are everyday people on this internet radio station. That's what you're going to get. Going to get it the way it should be. Uh, hopefully, uh, i tell you, once we get our music back, we get that foundation of that love that we had before, I'm going to tell you, it'll do exactly the opposite of what today's music has done to our youth. Brother Carl, you still with me? Brother Carl. What you say? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You scared me now because I, I actually, we, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, looks like Jimmy dropped out. I'm not, not sure what happened, but uh, if you still with me, uh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, we we just gonna, we just gonna close it out. We just tell me just you know, what do you what do you wish for? What what do you envision? What would you really like to see? What would like be like a uh, a heaven here on earth for you type of thing? Oh man, I would I would wish that people of color can get a fair shake in this society, man. You know, that's that's what I would really want to see, man. But it's so hard when you got a lot of people that thinking that everything belongs to them, that, you know, this is ours, you know, and 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 you know, when you as long as you got that type of mentality, man, it's gonna always be a problem. But I was I want to see people of color get a piece of the pie here in this in this good old uh, country here, man, you know, I call this country United Snakes of Hell because that's what I that's what people's been getting, man. Was what I see, you know. People of color, we haven't been getting our fair shake in this country, man. You know, why are these? Why do we have Arabs and Pakistanians and Indians? How come we get they in our community? You know, making money and stuff. They take the money. They make money. And they run and take the money out of out of the community, and then uh, the Koreans too. They with the hair products, you know, the hair products. Those are billion dollar industry. They do the same. And so, I want I want the wealth to be shared, man. You know, we need the wealth has got to be shared. 
and and that's what I would hope to, for us, man, to share the wealth, you know. And I understand just like the music thing with Jay Z is trying to come up with that with with that title screaming thing. I guess he's trying to show that he can do his part as far as becoming uh, economically. But they all he already got so much money. How much money do a person need? You know, and how much money? When is he gonna start filtering some of that money into the Bronx and Brooklyn, the areas that he's from? You know, when are you gonna start set up shop? That's my thing. I want to see people of color to be able to uh, share in the wealth, man. I'm not just talking about a handful of people. You know, I'm talking about the yeah. uh, majority. We need to. I tell you what, if we can get, if we can uh, tax their rich asses real good. That would in each state, that can help our educational system, man. And we need to, uh, you know, I think we should start there, you know, because the kids mm-hmm. are that's our future, man. And and they ain't getting nothing now but a a a, a bill of a bill of bullshit. That's what they get, man. You know that the Constitution, which was established what in 1776, they got it right. Yep. Our, our, our fucked up ass slave master ass um, <laughs> uh, bullshit um, forefathers, they got it right. They got it. If you go back and look at the Constitution, they wrote it up good and they supposed to have been abolishing slavery, but they haven't abided by that over the, over the, the centuries, two or three hundred years here in this country. They haven't abided by that damn. They are the uh, United States Constitution. They ought to go to Washington, D.C. and tear that shit up. And, you know, it's bullshit because we don't, we're not able to, uh, it was in just in the 50s, you know, when Rosa Parks, what, we've been fighting, we started fighting with Rosa Parks, you know, to, to get on the buses and shit. And that goes to show you it took that long since they wrote the Constitution yeah. in 1776. It took that long to the 50s. And we still are being discriminated against because these motherfuckers, white folks, think that all this is theirs. They think this is theirs. They think they're so damn privileged that we don't deserve it to get anything and to do anything for ourselves. You know, that's, right. that attitude has got to change. And that's why, you know, that's why we got so much racism. And that's why we got all the bullshit in Ferguson. And that's what in Ferguson and Baltimore. And speaking on Miss Mosby, I love her. She got more balls than any man that I know because she stood I up. totally agree. She stood up and said, this is how it's going to be. We're going, we're charging these assholes with this crime, with this murder, and now we're going for convictions. And that's what I want to see. And the woman had a lot of balls to do that. And I like where Lynch is going. The Lynch has got to clean up. From um, what's your running ass attorney general name? Um, he, Lynch, Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder. She's got to clean yeah. his bullshit up. He's he's running like he fuck yeah. like he freaking scared. <laughs> but now yeah, um, I, I, that, that that Eric Holder. I, I'm I'm so disappointed in that in that boy. That uh, and that's why I, I, I call him just a. You know, we get these black folks in these positions, but but we never get. We we very seldom get the right one. I think you're right with Loretta Lynch. Loretta Lynch seemed like she gonna get. She seemed like she owns some shit, man. She really right. does. Oh, yeah. but, but but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this as far as what what I wish for. I would. I, I'm gonna make it quick. Cause I'm gonna sign off. But 
just my wish is what we can do as far as if we can just see each other better and not frown at the sight of each other, man. If we could just acknowledge each other and mm-hmm. speak, just say, just start at the very basics. Just when you see each other, when you go on the elevator, don't turn your damn head and need a damn neck brace ass foot because you done broke because you don't you, you don't put too much effort into not speaking when all you had to do was fucking say hi. You right. know, when, when you when you go when you go up to a black cashier, if you're a cashier and you got a black customer coming down, don't 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 smear. I mean, what what's wrong with hey, how you doing? How did how they treat you? How they treat you today? How's everything going? You all right? I mean, break, somebody got to break the ice. And th- th- these are these are the small things that an individual can do. Right. It, it may not necessarily change society, but it will change you, and it will make you feel better when you leave that cashier. When you're walking out the store, I guarantee you, anybody who tries that. Being kind to someone else, you will feel you will feel better. This, this is for you. And, and, and these sisters, when a when a brother approaches you, and it's obvious, well, of course they're interested. Well, damn, there is a respectful way to let the brother know that way. Well, you know, baby, you're in transition right now. You're not really not interested. You you ain't got to go all off into that little bullshit and play games. And brothers, when you approach your woman, I wish that you would approach them correctly, approach them with a compliment. And not with this, not, not with this blind ignorance. I, I, I wish that people would just look more mature, and I wish that people wouldn't buy into the systematic programming and poisoning that is spewed upon them by radio, TV, video games, music. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we have to counter. We have to counter. Mm-hmm. We can't counter the system. Ain't shit happen. All we gonna have mm-hmm. is hope. That's they had right. hope on the slave ship. So that's right, man. But hey, man, you you touched on a good point. Let me say this: uh, that young man, Kanye West, when he first came out, I really feel that he was trying to he was trying to come there and make a difference. He wanted to be different in his genre. He came out and he told President Bush that he didn't like people of color, and that's when he yes. was trying. But see, after he see. And so after that, he got spanked for telling um, Taylor Swift that, you know, that wasn't yours. He told her the truth. You shouldn't have won this award, but we give, they give you the award because you're a white girl, and, and y'all deserve some award sometimes. So after they told him, they spanked him. The president called him a jag off. And so the man lost all his confidence now. I mean, he did turn out to be a jerk, but he was this young, this cat, you know, I, was, I admired him at first, man. He was, cause I like how he was coming. You know, he didn't have, he didn't, you know, with his little thing, he, he, he told President Bush, hey, man, you don't love people of color. So, you know, you a jag off. Man, Brother and Carl, was, Brother Carl, when I saw, when I sat, when I sat there, and I saw it live, too, and, and, the, and the white boy said next to him, his jaw dropped. When I heard Kanye say that, I said, my man, this this is who we need. This, this is the brother yeah, here. Exactly. This is the guy who we need on point. This is a man on point. He got this shit. And next thing I know, oh man! And when he went up there on Taylor Swift, he was wrong. He 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 was he was he, no, no, he was wrong. He he was wrong for going up there on Taylor Swift. And personally, I said that one of Taylor Swift people should have pimp slapped his ass because you don't do that shit. That was my opinion. Go ahead. No, he didn't do that. You give respect when those awards like that are being did. You know, you talk about it later. But you got you had to give her, her respect at that time because you see Beyonce just cringe when he starts pointing to Beyonce 
And, oh, and, and Brother Carl, let me let me say one more thing. I'm glad you mentioned oh. Beyonce because it's almost to me like I'm wondering if Beyonce is who the hell Kanye really want to be. I mean, Jay Z ain't shared shit. Why is he going? If I was Jay Z, I'd say, man, what to do? Dude, Kim ain't, you know, when Kim wins something and you think you think she should have won something, that's when you go up there, man. This is my wife. Exactly. That's just me. That's just me. Man, what what you on? You know, dude, chill. I ain't said exactly. shit. Look, you ain't got shit to say. Exactly. Not like that. Exactly. But, anyway. but you know what? Anyway. I, what I, I think that, see, I think uh, they came down on Kanye. You see, have you seen, you see the Brussels Club, that bullshit? On in Atlanta, Georgia, where the the black uh, it's a black radio station, and so when the Breakfast Club every morning they get people on there, they get the celebrity uh, singers and rappers, whatever, they get them on there, and they're supposed to get the hard answers and the hard questions for them. They had Kanye West okay. on there, and the one guy told Kanye West, he said, "But damn, Kanye," he said, "Uh." Damn, what happened to you, man? He said that you used to be a revolutionary and shit. Now, every time I, I, I see you and shit, it's all about the money now. Is it the money? that you, He basically saying, ever since you've been with the Kardashians, the only thing you talk about is money and shit now. He said, but you was a, you started off as a revolutionary, you know, you know, and, and he did. The guy was on point for that. And that's yeah, the, a great question, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was on point. And so I believe that Kanye, he's been spanked, and they told him he's been told to behave himself. And, and see, that's one, something that I don't, I just like that. The hell with that. I'm not going to behave myself. I'm going to continue being me, and I'm going to continue. I'm going to get the facts. I love getting the facts, and I'm going to tell you, just like I got that uh, about the Bulls, about the management team, I got that. I got them from different sources, from reliable sources, and also I got this from the Bulls. Let me say this: five years ago, when LeBron James, when LeBron James and Wade, when they interviewed uh, for a spot with the Chicago Bulls, and mm-hmm. at the table they brought in LeBron first, and when LeBron came in, you had they had just hired Thibodeau. They had they had Thibodeau as the coach, the golf foreman as the general manager. They had uh, Paxton as the vice president, Ryan Dorf as the uh, CEO. Okay, he's sitting there with four or five LeBron sitting at the round table, and LeBron said, is this the face of the organization? Because if this is the face of the organization, if I join this team here, where I'm going to be at in 10 years? You say, well, how come Michael ain't here? How come Scotty ain't here? You know, where's the people of color? You won six championships with mostly of people of color. LeBron went there on his ass. See, you can only go there if you just say at LeBron's status. Wade went there, too, when it was his turn. They spanked the Bulls organization. Bulls got one of the worst team management organization in all of the NBA. Look at my man from the from the Lakers, the late uh the the owner that died, Dr. Jerry Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss, yeah. He took care yep. of magic. He took care of all his ball players and whatnot, man. But this you boy in the uh with the Bulls, man, even they don't man, they I don't I hate Brother Carl, Brother Carl, My, Michael Jordan had you know, Michael Jordan didn't have no goddamn business plan for anybody but the Bulls. When they allowed, when they let that shit happen, for him to go to the Wizards, that, that's what, I, you know, I, I, ever since Norm Van Leer, Chet Walker, by love, I'm a Bulls fan, 
but it ain't got shit to do with the fucking Bulls organization. Fuck the Bulls organization. Exactly. The same with the White exactly. Sox. I'm a White Sox fan, but fuck the organization. I'm a Bulls fan, but fuck the organization because that Jew boy could have let Michael, he should have let Michael buy 20 to 30% of that franchise. For all he did for that franchise, brought in six championships. Huh? Man, That's what Jerry Buck would have did. Jerry Buck took care of Magic. Shit, he took care of Magic. Magic won about four championships. Hey, Amen. And he let Mike or Magic Johnson. He he's in there for life. And that's exactly all, what uh, uh, Ryan doing. All, all, all that all all that the Bulls had to do, because the Bulls still had probably two, definitely one more championship, and I believe two more championships. And, right. and, and Jerry Jerry Krause, that's the motherfucker. He allowed Phil Jack. Michael Jordan told him, "If Phil's gone, I'm gone." They should have went to the back in the in the back room and worked that shit out because they had two more championships, and no 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 championship team has ever broken up. You let a championship right. team be defeated. You let you you, you, wait, you, you let them keep them. going. Like you said, Keith, he told them exactly. He said, "If Phil's gone, I'm gone." But the Jew boy didn't think that Michael was going to leave. See, that's why with with Michael, after that after that interview, let me go back to after that interview with LeBron James and the management, that's why they brought Scotty in and gave Scotty about maybe $4 million a year. That's why Scotty sits down there as ambassador for the Bulls because they gave Scotty that job as a front, right. Because he was, because hey man, all they did for the championship, and that's what LeBron James and Wade said. He said, "How come Scotty ain't working for the organization? Bill Cartwright, uh, uh, B.J. Armstrong? Come on now, what the fuck is this? What's, and but let, now back to uh, Michael, man. Hey man, they could have had a couple. They could have had two or three more championships, man. They fucked it up. Jerry Cross, and listen, they now they're doing the same thing because Jerry Cross. He went and got his fishing buddy from Iowa State. And now they're talking about going to get their fishing buddy from, from Holberg is at Iowa State. And they talk about going and getting him and bringing him on. <laughs> they better go get they, fucking Mark. They better go get Mark Jackson. They better go get Mark Jackson and tell, and tell well, Mark Carl, Jackson. I was, talk, I was talking to my – I was down in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, yesterday after I left Chicago for my daughter's granddaughter graduation, talking to my, right. my youngest son, Malcolm. And I said the same thing you said. I said that the Bulls, the last thing, that the Bulls go out there to get another fucking college coach, Tim Floyd. They don't need that. I say the Bulls, I say what the Bulls need to do, I said the same thing. Get their ass out there and get Mark Jackson. I said the same person. Hey, man, we think alike, man. And I I, I said that because, and and I even told my son, you know, I ain't got nothing against Steve Kerr on the one hand, but I resent Steve Kerr on the other hand because Steve Kerr ain't done shit. Mark Jackson built the Warriors. Steve Kerr, all he had to do was bring his ass to the team and sit his ass ass on the bench. Right. That was Mark Mark Jackson. Jackson built that, man. Yes, he did build that. The only thing Mark Jackson did, he was in the wrong part of the country. When he was in San Francisco and he talked about all the gay blades and shit, and I guess you can't do that. So that's what what he had. That's why he had to go because there was too many of them there. I, I told my, I told Malcolm, I said, you know what, the only reason they got rid of Mark Jackson because he disagreed with the concept. Now, he didn't have nothing against the individual. He's like right. me. 
I right. disagree with the fucking concept. I'm not going to sit up here and say, I think a tool for a man to fuck another man. Fuck that. Exactly. I ain't down with that. Exactly. And that's, what, and that's what I like about you. I'm telling the truth. And this, and this radio program that you hosted is great because you can say what you want to say. I don't have to worry about being censored. But most of everything that we're talking about is the truth. And the truth will hurt. This program here is very uh, is, is, is sensational because you're telling the truth. And some people just can't handle the truth. But on the real, this is what your station is. This is what this program is about. Everyday people, you're speaking the truth. Everything that we talked about today was the truth and was, and was facts. See, you exactly. deal with facts. I deal with facts. And I and I network all the time, and I and I pride myself on being informed. I want to be informed. I'm gonna be informed on the facts. I was told 48 years ago through my parents about telling the truth and don't and not telling the lie, you know. And so that's where we at, man, you know. And yes, we need our music back, man, because our music. I've been to uh, uh, I've been to that a uh, performance thing in in the Horseshoe Theater. In Hammond, Indiana, and the, the man, venue, I, the venue, yeah, yeah. I used to work there. I worked. I used to work there. Yep. Did you? Yeah, I've been there, man, and I and I've seen a lot of black. I've seen the uh, the dramatics. I've seen the uh, great uh, group, great group. Uh, yep. I recently I've seen the Temptations. I've seen uh, Dennis Elba's Temptations. Man, I've seen the. I saw the stylistics. The stylistics with. Uh, with Thompson and his stylistics, man, I've seen so That's many what? acts there lately. I saw Bill Cosby there three years ago when he did his, and he was real funny. I thought that Bill Cosby was gonna sit there and bring some bullshit dry humor, and he came with it. He talked about how his father used to whoop his ass, and how he and Bill Cosby was good in his stand-up comic. Man, he was really good, man. And I seen uh, Eddie Griffin, I seen um, Gladys. I've seen a lot of great acts there, man. I love those acts that they was bringing over over at the venue. I love those uh, shows, yeah. man. Yeah. And I, you know, that's yeah. what I like, man. All this other bullshit, all this other hip hop bullshit. They can keep that. I don't want to, like you, know, you said, they they need to talk about something, man. They need to, you know. I'm not a big they, they, common they, man and, and and a legend. I like legend. I like the boy Legend, but why is it that John Legend, as soon as he made fifteen, as soon as he made two dollars, he went out and got a white girl? What's what's up with that bullshit? Look, you know, John Legend to me. For, for, see, I'm like you know, this. First of all, I respect John Legend as a brother and as a conscientious. I, I believe his heart is in the right place. Uh, right. I've seen him on, uh, you know, Bill Maher's show HBO before. I said fuck Bill Maher right. because of his I'm, shit. But for John Legend's music, I think his music sucks. I don't like his music. I, glory sounds like a toilet flushing to me. But but that's okay. That's okay. Because what he stands for, I believe, is a positive thing. So that's what's more important to me. Uh, right. Well, I, I like him for that. I like him for standing up on issues and stuff. But that's good. But I don't like the part. But God damn it, why is it that there's a lot of pretty, smart, intelligent, beautiful sisters that deserve that lifestyle? That's why I met with it. So why is it that you got to run your black ass out there as soon as you make two dollars, you're gonna run out there and get you a, a a princess, huh? You know. But that that's but 
you know, you can you can date who you want and marry who you want, but my thing is, if I'm going to share the wealth, it's going to be with a smart, intelligent, beautiful sister, and that's just me. And I just hope that other brothers would would think along those lines too. There's nothing wrong with getting you some white pussy or something. If that's what you want, you know, you go ahead and you do that. You know, I went to University of Iowa. I was there with thirty-seven thousand of students, man, at University of Iowa. And you went to Iowa, man. Oh man, yeah, I know that. I, I, thought went to, I thought you went to Jackson State. I went there. I got kicked out of Jackson State after one semester. Oh, I, was there in <laughs> I got kicked Damn, out. Damn. Okay. State. And then I went to uh, after Jackson State. I went to Shaw University in Raleigh, North Carolina. For one year, okay, I got yeah. my grades up. I transferred to three. I transferred all A's and a couple of B's to University of Iowa in 1978 spring. And I went wow, to University okay, of okay. Iowa. And, uh, yeah, man, I and I, I went to University of Iowa. I did good academically, man. I, you know, and so I, I come a long way, man. I come a long way from 53rd and State, man, from Robert Taylor. I come a very, very long way. And so, you know, and I told you my time. I told you that. Okay, let me, let me, I, I got to ask you this because I, my intention, I want to do a show where I have all people who went to HBCUs to call me because I want, because my son goes to one, and I'm living college life through my son, and I want to hear what they say about the HBCUs. Now, you went to the University of Iowa. You come from the Robert Taylor Homes in Chicago. Right. What was that like for you from where you come from to where we all know what the hell I was about? You up in there with all that. What was that like for you? It was, I loved it. It was a great experience coming from, I went first, I, I started at the HBCU, the Historical Black College Universities. I went to two of them. Right. I went to Jesus right. State. Loved the experience there. It was it was great. I loved it. I met a lot of people. Um, I, I then I went to Shaw University. When I went to Jackson State, Walter Payton had just signed his contract with the Bears. He was leaving. He had just left. But then there was another guy. He he played for the Los Angeles Rams for sixteen years. I, anyway, I get back to that. But I went to university. I, I went to Shaw University, got my grades together, another historical black college, and that was good. But then I needed another challenge. I needed a challenge. So I I, I transferred to University of Iowa. I loved the experience at University of Iowa when I got there, 77 or 78. I got there, and I loved the experience because if you was making the grades, they was giving you the money, and they had a brother his name is Roy Yelder. He worked in the financial aid department, and he said, hey, man, just hang in here and hit the books, and if you need tutors, fine. I didn't need no tutors, but I guess I, I used one or two maybe. But then I did good academically, man, and I and they gave me the money. They gave me the money. The experience was, was beautiful, man. I had never um, – it was, it was different. It was real different, and – it was a lot of it was a lot of it was more students. They had a black student union there. And the black student union they embraced us. When if you was black and you came there, if you was black and African, they had a black house. They had a Iowa got a Iowa got a black association, got a black alumni association. So I connected with them and they made it they made wow. my experience at Iowa. They made my experience at Iowa great, man. They had it all set up, man. And I love Iowa, man. The connection and the people that I met in Iowa is was is beyond anything, man. 
It was it's a beautiful place. Iowa City, Iowa, like two hundred forty some miles uh on I eighty going to um Iowa. Man, you know, like, that is very that is very that is very, very interesting to hear. That, that, I, that, love, I, I ain't I lying about that. Cause I, cause I, cause I, cause I expected a whole different angle, man. And you you coming with that, and I'm saying that's beautiful, man. That's, that's great. I loved it, man. Keith, I loved that experience at University of Iowa, and it opened me up. It really opened me up, man. There was a brother that was there in the 1920s, and his name is, he was in there in the 1920s. He was a scholar, and he was a he was a lawyer. And he was he played football. He was all everything. They got some what's his name? Oh, I stayed in his dormitory there too. And anyway, the brother his name it'll come to me. But anyway, the brother he was there like in the twenties and the thirties. And and he's a he became an attorney. He graduated as a lawyer at University of Iowa. And he was he was he was a bad boy, man. What's this guy's name? I can't think of his name, but anyway, I had beautiful experiences there, man. I had great experience there, man. It was a lot of blacks before me that had got there, and they had everything set up, man. My my look, my in second grade, my second grade gym teacher was a graduate from University of Iowa. I saw him. His name was John Collins, and I remember him when I went to Mary C. Terrell on Fifty Fourth and State, and I. And I saw him at uh, one of our reunions, like in 78, and I said, Mr. Yeah. Collins, what you doing here? He said, Carl, I graduated graduated from here in 1962. I said, no, you didn't. He said, yes. He since passed on. He graduated in 1962. If you had a bachelor's degree in the, in the, in the mid-60s, in the, in the early oh, 70s, shit. you'd be right to That was a doctorate. Kid. That was like yep, a doctorate today. You you were you were there at Iowa when Ronnie Lester was there, weren't you? And uh, Kenny yeah. Arnold. Yes, Kenny Arnold came after me. Ronnie Lester, he was there. Uh, you, boy, you know Kenny Arnold. That's my man. He's sort of sick now. He's in a nursing home. Oh really? On, oh on, hell on, no, man. Yeah, yeah. Kenny Arnold's at the nursing home at 109th and uh, Halsted. Oh That's man. Well, man see, I'm sorry. Kenny, I remember Kenny Arnold used to. Kenny Arnold used when he was with Simeon. He used to kick Scott Foster's ass. Right. <laughs> with well, them long jump shots. They went. They had three. If they had, he went to Calumet. He was at Calumet. Kenny Arnold. Calumet. Cal- oh, Kenny Arnold. Calumet. Yeah. He, yeah. He was at Calumet. Ronnie Lester was at Dunbar. Ronnie Lester came out in 1976. He came out a year after us. Ronnie Lester. Okay. Kenny Arnold. Kenny Arnold with Kenny Arnold with with, with Calumet with the uh, with the uh, brother Don. Uh, what's right. his name? Don, uh, Don, Don, I forget his last name. Yeah. Well, Kenny Arnold. I yeah, okay. School, his brother went to school. His brother's name was Larry Arnold. Larry Arnold went to DuSable with my brothers. I was at DuSable, too. But Larry Arnold, he was he played basketball, too. I know I know the whole family. I know him. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to hear about Kenny, man. Yeah, they moved over there around 80-something in May. They moved over there around Calumet. And so Kenny... He was yeah, afforded to do yeah. And the same thing with the uh the Minnesota uh Kirby, Kirby Puckett. Puckett. He's from forty fifth and federal. He's from Robert. Yeah, he's a Calumet guy, right? He's, he went to Calumet. Right, he went to yeah. He went yeah. to Triton first for a couple of years. He went to Triton Junior College for a couple of years first. And then he went to Bradley and finished up his junior senior year. And then he 
he went and got drafted, man. Kirby was good. He went to Minnesota. You know, he had a good career. Kirby did good. He won a couple of uh, World Series, man. You know, he was a Hall of Famer, man. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about Kirby, you could never get him to come back to the neighborhood and speak. Maurice Cheeks did. Maurice Cheeks did to solve. He came out of 74. Maurice Cheeks brought his mother to my mother's funeral in 1990. I've been knowing Maurice Cheeks Cheeks for about 55 years, at least. Damn. At least. We was like three and four years old when when Maurice Cheeks lived in 5266. When he won the the NBA championship in 1983, the first thing he hollered out was the building that he was from. He said, 5266. You don't remember that, do you? And, and when they when they when they won the NBA championship, Philadelphia, they had Mose Malone, Dr. J, Maurice Sheets. You know, they they got rid of Andrew Tony. Yeah, Andrew Tony. Yep, there you go. And 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 Jones, the white boy, he was great. He fits the ball yeah, player. Yep, yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. man. Got, well, when they first put that team together, uh, they had uh, Lord Free. And they had the George McGinnis. <laughs> they had to get rid of them too. They needed enough basketball. They didn't have enough basketball. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was a great, great team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, man. So in nineteen seventy eight, when Maurice Chiefs came out of West Texas State, he was the he came out in the second round because Philadelphia they didn't have no first rounders. And so the Bulls they passed up Maurice Cheeks and at the time that's when they had the NBA draft. It was in Chicago, I believe. And 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 Mark Cheeks told them, "Y'all made a mistake, Chicago Bulls," and they didn't. They did make a mistake. They didn't draft Cheeks. And Philadelphia, they only had a second rounder. And Maurice went to them in the second rounder, and he took. And they built a team around uh, Dr. J. They had their point guard. They got Andrew Tony. He was from some school in Arkansas. He was great. Andrew Tony, man, he could shoot. <laughs> Tony, he was from uh, Southwest, Louis- Southwest Louisiana. Oh, was Louisiana? Okay, then. I thought yeah, Southwest I- Louisiana. He was great, man. I love this game. He yeah. had a great game. Yeah. Andrew Tony. Yeah, I remember him. They had a they had a good team, man. And Dr. J, they went and they signed Moses Malone, and that's all they needed, man. Look, I met, yeah. met Daryl Dawkins. He came, when Chiefs came home one year, in like in 81 or 82, and it was Carwell Jones, Daryl Dawkins, M- Mo Chief. <laughs> and they all, I met all them guys because, you know, he bought he bought three of those condos right across from the police station on Leverton State. And so me, Mark Cheeks, uh, Russell Bradford, we all hooked up together because, you know, I went to DuSable first before I came to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we all hooked up. Because I was from 5326, Mo Cheeks was from 5266. He bought three, he bought three condos down there. He probably paid about maybe thirty, forty thousand each for him, and he ended up selling the one. Remember, his brother got killed. His brother was a fire. Yep, Marvin, Marvin Cheeks. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Marvin, yep, Marvin went. He graduated out of Dunbar in 1973, and Marvin got killed. He was a, the guys. They were from the West Side. And they get, they caught him on 47 and Woodlawn coming out of that station. He had a little Jeep. And they said the first person yep. that looked like looked like they got something. And so once once they got him, they took his jacket, his wallet, and everything. And once he saw that they was, wasn't was going to let him go, somehow he jumped out the truck 
and they was able to stop and shoot him. That's what happened. That's how. That's what happened to Marvin. You know, when he and because the yep. one guy when they caught up with those guys, the one guy told it all. He told it all, and so you know, it's too. Damn, it's I, remember, I remember that man. Yep. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, we went to his funeral and everything. It was. It was right there on Fifty Third and State at the church that Miss Cheeks go because they, because they set it on fire. They set the car on fire and shit. And then they yeah, they do. Yep. Hey man, I, yeah, just, my, I just saw Miss Cheeks because my brother Cowboy he married to a girl <laughs> that lived on the third floor and and the Cheeks they lived in uh, three hundred eight too. They lived in three hundred eight, and my and my brother's wife they lived in three hundred one and fifty two sixty six. So. Her sister died. She was a young girl, about forty-eight or something. I saw Miss Cheeks yeah. and Mark a couple of, about a month or so ago. They was at the funeral. They came there, and then I saw them then. And my brother, he got their numbers and stuff. He stay in contact with them and everything, man. But yeah, man, they that's family, and you know, it's going. Then that's when family was family, man. When you, you know. Hey man, the yes. biggest experience yes. that yes. changed my life. Let me tell you, the, the the thing that changed my life is when I spent that one year in South Shore. That really, that played a big. That was a big impact on me. Coming from the low end, pretty third in state, going to Dusabo for three years, I did everything I needed to do at Dusabo. I needed a new challenge. That's why I came to South Shore, and that was one of the best challenges I ever endured, man, in my life. And when I got there, I saw a whole different light. I saw different blacks with different classes. You know, that's when, uh, like, Stevon's grandfather was a cop. And uh, I didn't see all I didn't get that down there in, in Robert Taylor, you know. You didn't, you know, you didn't have no police officer living down there. Of course not. But then I got a whole different clientele of people where, you know, uh, y'all parents was, was doing better than my parents. But my father, he worked two jobs. My father worked for Santa Fe. And he worked for CHA. It was eight of us, and so. But you know, but, but you know what, brother? I don't mean to cut you off because we we getting close to where I got, where, where, it's get, where, the, where the station gonna cut me off not too long. But I'm gonna say one thing about you, brother. You came to South Shore, but you came to South Shore, and everything else you put on hold. You came to South Shore because I never look. I came up in the projects, and all my people came up in the projects. But you came to South Shore as yourself. I remember in marketing class, man, with Miss Jenkins that, that we had together and Decker and, and shit we were doing, man. And you was a, I mean, had you told me then you came from Robert Taylor? I would just say, hey, dear, man, show me some ID, show me some papers. How, how you figure that? Because you was always a class guy, man. And uh, that's all. I, I, I want to say that for you uh as we close, because I see Brother Jimmy I Williams. Remember, I, remember, I remember you very well, uh, Keith. I remember you. I remember my man Taylor. Remember, was you in? Was you with, in Decca with with Taylor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Miss Jenkins' class in marketing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. And man, and 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 what's the name? Them stole that money, man. Donald Jackson. Donald Jackson. Hell yeah! I I, le- I learned that years later. I heard he got killed by some drug dealers. He was robbed. Yes, I heard that. Yeah. Well, Donald Jackson was Donald Jackson, man. He was on. Me and Donald was on the. We played the linebacker spots, and 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 Donald Dates was in the middle, man. And and I really, both of those brothers are gone, man. But Donald Jackson, Donald Jackson did good. Don't you know Donald Jackson is a college graduate from Indiana State? He was at school with Larry Bird. Did you know that? 
And he I still didn't know had that. Donald Jackson graduated from Indiana State with Larry Bird, man. I did not know that, brother. Donald Jackson did real good when he went to Indiana State, man. Donald Jackson just him and he was his brothers was a bad influence on him, man. They lived on 118th and State. And and at the time he went, at the, at the time he went, yes, one, yep, him Damn. and his brothers, they, all, they lived on 118th and State, man. And I and man, Miss Jenkins was beautiful, man. Miss Jenkins was great. She, she yeah, was she was. Things, you know, she took the students, man. Took that trip, raised that money. She was beautiful, man. I love Miss Jenkins. You know, I yeah. for the little time I was there, man. I really, you know, it was great. I wish I could have had four years of experience. Did you go to Horace, man? What what elementary I went, school? Did you I, 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 I went to Grandma. I went to Grandma. Okay, you was Grandma. so you was there with, with Frog, him. You went to. No, no, Frog didn't go to Grandma. Frog didn't go to Grandma. I went there with uh, Craig, Craig Coppers. No, no, Craig, he didn't go to Craig Coppers. He didn't go to Grandma. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to think. Who you might know the one. Well, I went to Grandma on 73rd and uh, Where's Jeffrey. Where's Grandma located at? 73rd and Jeffrey. Right, right, right. right I, went, I, went, I, went, I, went, I went there with Big, uh, Big Smiley, Lil Smiley, or uh, James Peace went to uh, uh, oh, you was with Grandma. You. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I was smiling I was, and, and those guys. Yeah, okay. but 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 uh, but but Carl, I got about seven uh-huh. minutes. I want you to give me okay. about a minute of a closing statement, this. and then I got to close. Go ahead. Go. Let me go say ahead. this. I went to, I went to Sable Upper Grade Center, and guess who? And guess who was there with me? He was a year on me. Who? Devon Patrick, the former uh, governor of Massachusetts. Boston. I knew him. Devon Patrick. He was. He went to DuSable Upper Grade Center, and he did well. He was real smart. And one of those uh, Jewish teachers, they saw the uh, potential in him. And from there, after eighth grade, he went to a uh, a private school in, in outside of Massachusetts and did good, man. Within the four years of high school, he went to Harvard, man. He did real good for man. himself. And, and he and he sat, he got a seat on President Clinton's seat, man. I just want to say that Duval Patrick, my brother, he did really good, man. I got to give it to him. He took it I need brother Carl, and next week, next week, we 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 we're gonna talk before next week. Because next week, I want you to just just co-host the show with me. Period. I gotta cut it down now because they'll cut me off. Because I want to get the last. I want to get my closing statement down. And and in close in closing, I want to say thanks, brother Carl, for coming on again. And people, in the name, in the name of whomever or whatever, your spiritual power. I just want to say, peace. Peace. Take care, brother Carl.